G'day guys, and welcome to another Tiger Tales episode on Glory Days. We take you back to 1947 when life was trying to get back to normal post-World War II. The Aubrey Tigers went oh so close in 1946, found a new coach, a VFA slash VFL legend to steer the ship to the ultimate prize. Once again, a huge thank you to the Joss Group for making this episode possible. Righto, let it rip, Robbie. citizens. The war is over. Let us remember those whose lives were given that we may enjoy this glorious moment and may look forward to a peace which they have won for us. The Aubrey Tigers, just like community all over Australia, were endeavouring to find some normality in life after five years of football in recess due to World War II that had torn apart world peace and day-to-day living across the globe. The challenges to get community sport back on the playing fields were many. These obstacles, however, were overcome on the back of overwhelming passion and desire to find some normality for a sport-loving community that was far from perfect, but better than nothing at all as the rebuild started. G'day guys, it's Sean Daly here from the Aubrey Tigers Footy Club. In grand finals, there often emerges a hero. And in 1947, Aubrey's Tom Davey made that no exception in a thrilling decider against Benalla. Aubrey, playing on courage and determination after trailing all day, steamrolled Benalla to win the 1947 Premiership at Wangaratta. The Tigers, who had lost the previous year decider by only five points against Wangaratta, hit the front for the first time with five minutes remaining as Big Tom stunned the record crowd. I hope you enjoy the latest Tiger Tales episode, 1947, Back in Business, another timeless historical moment in the history of the mighty Aubrey Tigers. The Avantamari recommenced organised competition in 1946, with Aubrey almost pulling off a huge upset against the 1946 Premier's Wangaratta losing by just five points after having upset minor Premier Wodonga the week before in the preliminary final. The strong finish to the season gained further momentum when the club signed legendary VFL-VFA player and coach Tom the Turk Lahef for the 1947 season. Small in stature at five foot six, Lahef was a fierce competitor, learning his footy craft and manner in Port Melbourne. Laif became a household name in the VFA, as well as playing 74 games in the VFL with Essendon, South Melbourne and Hawthorne. When I first sat to play with Port, Bobby Silton's father, who I was a great admirer of, he was captain. And uh, I said, then what do I want to do, Mr Skilton? And he said, well, when you play with Port, there's always going to be a fight. He said, the fight will break out somewhere. He said, don't waste your time running up the end of the grand fight, he said, turn round and whack the nearest bloke to you, which I didn't. That's how they played it. Port, if it wasn't, when the fight started, it wasn't in it, well, uh, they didn't forgive you. Tommy Lowe coached Port Melbourne for many seasons, including the 1941 Premiership as captain coach. He won two best and fairest awards at the club and was named in the forward pocket in the Port Melbourne Team of the Century. After his career, Tommy Laif became one of VFL's most well-known commentators, teaming up with the legend Harry Beitzel for three decades. 
He passed away in 1996, aged 86 years. The majority of the 1946 team was retained. A contingent of recruits who had previously played at the now disbanded St. Patrick's Senior Club, Brian Hogan, Lloyd Stewart, Jack Briggs and Frank Hennessy topped up what was now a very strong side, hungry to atone for the previous season's grand final loss. Three players in the 1947 side had served in World War II. Jimmy Matthews, Harold Chalky Purse and Frank Eames were three of almost one million Australian men and women who served in the Second World War. For Purse, he survived an incredible stroke of luck, as explained by his son, Morrie. Yeah, I think he played in uh, what, three, uh, two grand finals at Walla up there when he was first one was when he was fifteen, yeah. yeah, and then uh, before before the war, and then he got uh, recruited by St Kilda. Uh, he enlisted when he was down there. He, when he enlisted young, Dad did, and we went down there, and uh, they, uh, they told me they were camped on the Collingwood footy ground, and that's where the the, uh, the, the unit was, and he. T- Played a few ga- a few games in the uh, thirds and in the reserves, and then he made the uh, senior list. But then went off to the war uh, right. and never went back. Yeah. So after he enlisted, he did enlisted in yeah. the AIF, and he saw service in the islands. Yes, yes, yep, yes. So. Tell us about he had an amazing escape. He was over there. Dad didn't say a lot about, but he did tell me about this one time that they were in a trench, and there was a sniper was picking them off, and uh, he got. Two that's on the right hand side of dad, and then he said he got his mate beside dad. And d- when he got shot, my dad turned his head to the right, and that's when he got shot through the neck and came out the, out his back. And that's what caused his deafness. He was very lucky, very lucky uh, wow. to be alive. So yeah. The bullet just went straight through, straight through, and straight out. Yep, and yeah. this, must this have hit the bone and just went straight out. Wow. Yeah, and then. Uh, he was deaf from there and I went, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, okay. uh, after, after the war, he was, yeah, he was deaf. Right? Yeah, it just got worse. It got worse and worse, you know, as it went on, you know. He, uh, I know he used to take the hearing aid off and he could just hear, but not, 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 not a lot, you know. Uh, but most of the time he was just stone deaf, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Salamander. Yep, that's where he got shot up there. And that was, as we came home, he called the house Salamander. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah. Quite funny, weary, yeah, really. That. I asked Dad about that's how he came to tell me because Dad never talked much about it in those days. They didn't, and uh, I was asked him. I said, "What's Salamander?" And he said, "That's when he told me uh, what happened." Yeah, yeah, sat me down and told me all about it, and I just sat there. I just, I just well, are you lucky to be here? I'm lucky to be here. The league was shaping up for a big season after navigating its way through a testing return in 1946. All eight clubs were reporting record memberships and six of the clubs had ex-VFL coaches at the helm. It also was the debut season of the North Aubrey Football Club into the Ovens and Murray Football League. The Hoppers had won the 1946 Chiltern and District League Premiership the previous season. Clem Hill was elected President of the League for his 12th term, while Cleaver Button was again elected Secretary for his 18th straight year after starting in 1930. Button was an awarded an OBE by Her Majesty the previous year. Round one commenced on May the 3rd, with the Tigers making the trip to Wangaratta in a replay of last year's thrilling grand final. The Magpies were being coached by former Footscray player Tom Tribe, who was replacing Laurie Nash, the former Australian Test cricketer and South Melbourne Premiership player. Aubrey inflicted sweet revenge on the Premiers, hammering them by 55 points in front of a huge home crowd at Wangaratta. 
A five-gold second quarter was a catalyst for victory, with Harry Shane, five golds, Regard, Harold Purse and Harold Rickson the best. The Tigers welcomed the highly fancied Benalla in round two, who were under the coaching of Carlton legend Bob Chitty, who captained the Blues to the 1945 Premiership in the infamous Bloodbath VFL Grand Final. I cleaned up Clegg and Williams and earned myself a gash. 27 stitches wide from the fist of Laurie Nash. They thought that I was finished, but I hadn't yet begun. Chitty was suspended for eight weeks following several violent incidents. He had his jaw broken in the final quarter by South Melbourne's Laurie Nash, who, as mentioned previously, had coached Wangaratta the previous year to the 1946 Premiership. In 1948, Bob Chitty played the role of Ned Kelly in a film about the notorious bushranger. What a character. Aubrey, after trailing by 27 points at quarter time, stormed home to win by 26 points with Harold Chalky Purse best on ground, closely followed by fullback Jack Yedge. The road trip to Rubber Glen proved a tough one, with the Tigers surviving a late Rubber Glen shot on goal to win a Dow encounter, five goals 15 to four goals 17, after trailing at half time by eight points. Coach Tommy Layeff booted three goals, Laurie Power, Aussie Bounds, Brian Hogan, Pat Kane were all good players. Harry Shane and Tom Davey both suffered injuries that would rule them out of the next game. Aubrey were back on the road again to take on Border United, who were coached by Fitzroy Premiership player Stan Wright. So who were Border United? Well, they were a team based out of Corowa, a team of locals who could play a game of footy waiting for Corowa to return post-war, of which they eventually did in February 1948, where Border United dissolved and Corowa Football Club reformed and took over Border United's place in the Ovens of Murray Football League. Aubrey came away with a resounding 64-point victory after blitzing the Border Boys with a brilliant final quarter. The Tigers, leading by just two points at the final change, stormed home with 10 last-quarter goals. Tom Layoff kicked seven, Loy Stewart five and Chalky Purse four in a quarter of excellence. Jimmy Matthews, Laurie Power, and Brian Hogan were others to star as Aubrey made it four from four. Lloyd Stewart enlisted into the army in June 1945 and was discharged just before the 1947 season. After four seasons at Aubrey, Stewart was recruited to Geelong where he played in the Cats 1951 premiership win over Essendon as back pocket. Now in that Essendon side that day were 1956 Aubrey premiership duo, captain coach, Jack Jones and Lance Mann, who took out the 1956 Morris medal. Round five, and for the very first time in Ovens and Murray Football League history, the beginning of one of the league's longest standing rivalries commenced, with the new kids on the block, North Aubrey clashing with Aubrey at the sports ground in front of 1,100 eager spectators. After an even first half, which had the Tigers in front by just 11 points, the more experienced and fitter Aubrey piled on seven goals to one to blow the contest apart, which at full time was 18-16-124 to 8 goals 7-55, with the forward line of Layoff five goals, Jimmy Matthews four, Loy Stewart three, Jack Briggs three doing the damage. 
along with the ruck pair of Jeff Hayho and Aussie Bounds. Harold Chalky Purse, a star for Aubrey, almost played for the Crosstown Rivals, as his son Morrie explained. I heard a rumour that he came down to coach North North Aubrey. I heard, but Dad never told, told me, but I heard uh, he came, but he ran into Laurie Power and him at the pub at Lance Nichols Hotel and they uh, no one talked to him and went down to Aubrey. Because Laurie Power played in the premiership side as well, yep, so he was yep, a good goal kicker. Yeah, yeah, a little rover. Yeah, he's unbelievable, Laurie, yeah. And uh, he's passed away, Laurie, too, and uh, Reg Guard. Yep, they're all yep. good friends. Yeah, so it was a good crew. It was a guy, I remember one day I took Laurie, Dad, and uh, Reg to the North Albury to watch a game. And I, I sat there and I was a waiter. <laughs> I just stood behind them and they just said, three, I went and come back again. <laughs> they just sat there. They used to call them, a lot of people called them the uh, three monkeys. See no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. <laughs> about Aubrey. <laughs> Aubrey were back at the sports ground for round six, hosting Wodonga, who, along with four other teams, had won two of their five games and locked in a huge battle to make the top four. In one of the games of the season, the visitors took it right up to the ladder leaders, with an upset brewing with scores level at three-quarter time. Any chance of an upset quickly faded when the Tigers unleashed a brilliant brand of football, adding seven goals seven to just two behinds to run away of the game. Lloyd Stewart finished with seven goals, Tommy Leia four, as Reg Guard and Jeff Hayo dominated the midfield. A trip down the Murray to Yarrawonga was next to complete the halfway point of the season, who were coached by former Carlton two-time Premiership player Rod McLean, who played alongside Benalla coach Bob Chitty in that 1945 infamous bloodbath grand final. After an even first quarter, Aubrey took control, with Laurie Power kicking six goals and Loy Stewart five. Reggie Gard thrilled the crowd with several huge marks in a best-on-ground performance. A notable absentee for Aubrey was its brilliant utility, Jimmy Matthews, with tennis commitments. Matthews was in Melbourne competing in the Victorian Hardcourt Open, where he'd made it to the semi-finals before losing to Lionel Brody, who then lost the final to Australian tennis legend Frank Sedgman. Earlier in 1947, Matthews had made it through to the second round of the Australian Open singles title. During his career, Matthews beat some of the best Australia had ever produced, including Rex Hartwig, Ken Rosewell and Harry Hopman. A little bit more about Matthews later. So at the halfway point of the 1947 season, the Tigers were unbeaten and top of the table, one game clear of Benalla, with just one game separating third-place Rutherglen and last-placed Yarrawonga. An undermanned Wangaratta side made the trip up the Hume Highway and were sent back on the end of a 99-point hammering and a huge dent in their finals aspirations and premiership defence. Brian Hogan and Aussie Bounds were outstanding, while the forward line of Tom Layer 5, Laurie Power 5, Loy Stewart 4, Jack Briggs 4 terrorised the Pies defenders as the Tigers booted 16 of the last 18 goals in the game. Round nine was the long-awaited blockbuster between number one Aubrey and number two on the ladder, Benalla, with several supporter buses being booked out for the game. Aubrey was still without Jimmy Matthews and Harry Shane. A poor first quarter proved costly for Aubrey when Benalla, led by its physically stronger bodies, kicked five goals to one. 
Coach Bob Chitty booted seven goals in a best-on-ground performance. The Tigers fought back, eventually falling 11 points short, 14-14 to 13 goals nine. Jeff Hayhoe, Brian Hogan, Jack Yench and Lloyd Stewart with five goals were the best for the visitors in its first loss for the season. Jimmy Matthews made a welcome return to the Tigers' side for a home game against Rutherglen and was also celebrating his selection into the New South Wales side for the Australian Championships in Hobart in early August. His selection made him the only person to have represented New South Wales in both tennis and Australian rules football. Matthews was born in Colcan and started his career with Colcan aged just 13. At the age of 16, he relocated to Albury working for Albert Chubb's sports store and played in the 1937 West Albury Premiership team in the Junior League. The following year, he was cleared to South Albury Juniors, where he played in their 1938 and 39 Premiership teams. At that point, the Albury Junior competition had residential boundaries, so when Matthews made the house move, he was also then forced to realign to the South Albury Football Club. His first taste of senior football came in 1940, where he played a starring role in the centre in Albury's Premiership win against Yarrawonga under the coaching of Doug Strang who Matthews attributed so much credit for his learning and knowledge while playing under him. Matthews enlisted into the Army, and while stationed in Melbourne for his military training, he was pointed towards St Kilda by his commanding officer, a Saints-loving supporter, where Jim played half the season, winning the Best First Year Award. After the war, despite strong efforts by St Kilda to keep Matthews, he returned to Albury to continue what became an illustrious career that included four best and fairest, two premierships and two years as a playing coach. Jim Matthews was also awarded life membership of the Tigers and named in its team of the century. The Rutherglen contest at the sports ground was played in pouring rain with only two goals being scored in the first three quarters. Six goals in the last, of which Aubrey booted four, ensured a 21-point win for the Tigers, with Reggie Gard, Ozzy Bounds and Harold Purse the standouts. Purse's son, Morrie, who also played at Aubrey, spoke about his dad and how he almost didn't play at Aubrey. He was called Chalky. Down there, Chalky Purse, and I was Chalky Junior. And then when I played my first senior game, I became Chalky. <laughs> <laughs> I lost to <the> Junior. <laughs> Uh, we came from Walwa, up in the Upper Murray. The, they were dairy farmers. He had uh, no brothers, three sisters. Well, up oh, he was up there with Walwa. He was playing up under uh, at under fifteen. He was playing as seniors up there, and then uh, that's where he started his football because he lived on the farm and helped out on the farm and that. He used to ride a horse in from uh, from the farm into Walwa and everything. No, no cars in that day. My dad never had a car in his whole life. Yeah, I think he played in uh, what. Uh, Three, uh, two grand finals at Walla up there when he was the first one was when he was 15 yeah, yeah. yeah. and then uh, before before the war and then he got uh, recruited by St Kilda oh, after he came back when well, he was in Albury he uh, well, was playing for Albury in those days but he, he was a barman uh, behind the bar he got a job at Ryan's because he doing Lance Lance Nichols was a good friend of his, and then later on he got a job at the uh, SSNA club in Dean Street. That's when it was there, and he was the barman there. Then when it shifted up to where it is now, he became the cellarman. 
looked at, did all the ordering and the drinks and stuff and everything like that until he retired. And, and uh, yeah, he loved it up there. He's uh, up there with his friend Ted Easton and everything. And uh, it was funny. To, uh, he trained another Albury footballer to take over from him was uh, Jeff String. Jeff took over Dad's job. Dad trained him because he was a barman up there too when he came back from Richmond. Yeah, yeah, really good. Yeah, won the best and first in uh, 1950 for Aubrey. Yeah, yeah. and uh, coached the reserves for four or five years he did down there, yeah. yeah no, he played at a one premiership, or well, I didn't win another one until 56 with Jack Chase, yeah, but uh, Dad was captain and vice-captain. Yeah, he was quite good down there. Yep, yeah, very uh, well respected down at Aubrey Footy Club, that is. Dad played about 120 uh, in the seniors and a few more in the reserves. He played a lot. Uh, yeah, well, he played about four or five years in the reserves, captain coach at the reserves too, yeah. A trip to Corowa for a clash with fourth place Border United was next and a tougher encounter was expected with the Border side desperate to hold on to its place inside the top four. The Tigers started well in a bruising first half and took a three gold into the half-time break. What happened next in the third term stunned the Tigers, with Border United unleashing a stunning display of football. They added six gold seven to one gold and set up what became a 20 point win and a two game buffer in fourth place ahead of the chasing pack. It was a round of upsets. North Aubrey shocked Benalla with a two point win. Tom Layer with five golds and Aussie Bounds were the Tigers' best in a season-low performance that had premiership aspirations severely dented. Aussie Bounds was also known as the Wizard of Oz because of his ability to play with just one arm. The local derby was just the tonic to get the Tigers' minds focused and back on the winner's track when they clashed with North Aubrey in an at times fiery encounter that had Aubrey coach Tom Layer and North Aubrey's Carroll reported in the third quarter. After both sides kicked three goals each in the first quarter, Aubrey took right over to kick 14 goals to two in the remaining three quarters and run out 95-point winners. Harry Shane kicked seven goals and was superb, while Jeff Hayhoe, Jim Matthews and Harold Purse dominated in the centre. This was to be Matthews' last game until the finals due to his commitments with the New South Wales state side at the Australian Championships in Tasmania. Some good news out of Rutherglen at the Tribunal for the two naughty boys, as reported in the Border Mail. At Rutherglen last night, the Independent Tribunal dismissed charges against Tommy Lahiff Albury and S. Carroll North Albury, arising from incidents which were alleged to have occurred in the sports ground match last Saturday. On the charge of deliberately hacking a North Albury player, Lahiff gave evidence on his own behalf that he kicked the ball and it appeared to him that the North Albury player attempted to smother it and contacted his, Lahif, knee. Mrs Oliver, goal umpire, and Mr H Flood and JP Hayes, spectators, supported Lahif evidence. The tribunal found the weight of evidence in Lahif's favour and dismissed the charge. Carol, North Albury, who was charged with unduly rough play against Hogan of Albury, stated that he and Hogan were very friendly in terms that the incident referred to was an accident. Both players were on the ground and in the excitement of the game and in struggling to get up, Carroll had pushed Hogan's head in the mud. Hogan substantiated Carroll's statement in full. The charge was dismissed. Wodonga gave Aubrey a massive scare in round 13 when they came from 29 points down at the last change to fall just seven points shy of a victory. They had 12 scoring shots but could only add two goals 10 as they kept the Tigers scoreless. 
The win, though, secured top position on the ladder, with just one round remaining. Jack Gensch defended superbly, while Harry Shane, Tommy Layaf and Laurie Power all booted two goals each. Club football took a break on August the 2nd, when VFL clubs North Melbourne and South Melbourne came to Albury to play each other in a game sponsored by the VFL to foster football in the regional areas of Victoria. The teams arrived on Friday, were afforded a civic reception on Saturday morning, played the game later that day, and then attended a dance hosted by North Aubrey and Aubrey Football Clubs at the Masonic Hall. They were shown the Weir Wall and the Weir and other beauty spots in the district before heading back to Melbourne on Sunday afternoon. For the record, North Melbourne defeated South Melbourne 113 to 76 in front of 3,000 spectators at the Aubrey Sports Ground. Both sides played three remaining rounds in the VFL season, with South Melbourne finishing eighth with eight wins for the season and North Melbourne 10th with just the four wins. The final round of the season had top of the table Aubrey against bottom place Yarrawonga at the sports ground. The Tigers welcomed back Frank Hennessy, Harry Rickson and Lloyd Stewart. A minute's silence was observed prior to the game in memory of former club president of Aubrey, Mr JT McGrath. Aubrey had no trouble in posting a 99-point win over the Pigeons, with the forward line of Laurie Power, five golds, Tommy Layaf and Loy Stewart, four each, impressing ahead of the final series. Jack Gensch, Reg Gard, Jack Briggs and Aussie Bounds were others to impress. Jim Matthews completed a highly successful carnival with New South Wales in Tasmania, finishing tied for second in the Tassie medal, which is awarded to the best and fairest player at the Australian Championships voted by the umpires. The man he tied with was Carlton legend Bert Deacon, who went on to win the Brownlow medal that year and a VFL premiership with the Blues. A teammate of Matthews in the New South Wales side was Australian Test cricket all-rounder Keith Miller, who had moved from Melbourne to Sydney. Miller had played 50 games with St Kilda and won for Victoria pre-World War II and finished up playing 55 test matches for Australia, being regarded as one of Australia's finest ever all-rounders. Miller was a Royal Australian Air Force pilot in World War II. So Aubrey completed the 14-round home and away season with 12 wins and two losses to finish two games and 40% clear of Benalla, who were three games clear of Wodonga and Border United, who both finished with seven wins. Defending Premiers Wangaratta, finished half a game out of the top four, while North Aubrey's inaugural season resulted in four wins, finishing half a game ahead of bottom-placed Yarrawonga. The Morris medal was won by Border United big man Keith Williams with 18 votes, two ahead of Wodonga's Jack Eames with Jack Grant from Yarrawonga third. Keith Williams was the grandfather of current Sydney Swans coach John Longmire. Jimmy Matthews with 11 votes and Laurie Power 10 were the best for the Albury Tigers. Benalla coach Bob Chitty won the leading goal kicker with Tommy Layaf, runner-up, finishing with 53 goals. The first semi-final was played at the Albury Sports Ground and produced one of the best matches in the history of the Ovens and Murray Football League finals when Border United came from six goals down in the first half to eliminate Wodonga by one point despite having nine less scoring shots. 17 goals, four, to 15-15. Meanwhile, Aubrey played Talangata in a practice match, resulting in an easy win, but did suffer two injuries, 
with Brian Hogan obtaining a hand injury that would rule him out for the second semi-final and Ruckman, Jeff Hayhoe, in doubt after receiving a chest injury. The good news for Aubrey ahead of the second semi-final against Benalla at Wangaratta was the return of Jim Matthews and that Jeff Hayhoe was declared fit to play. Frank Eames was a replacement for Brian Hogan on the wing. On a glorious day for the Aubrey Football Club, they completely outclassed the Benalla side, winning by 53 points, 15-15 to 8 goals 4, to qualify for the grand final. Frank Eames was superb on his wing, while Matthews and Laurie Power both kicked four goals. Harold Purse, Reg Guard were outstanding in the midfield with Jack Gensch and Jack Briggs starring in defence. Benalla hit back hard in the preliminary final with coach Bob Chitty leading from the front, finishing with nine goals, five of which came in the second quarter. The Bordy United team led at halftime but were overwhelmed in the third quarter when Benalla kicked seven goals to nil. The final margin was 44 points and it set up another crack at Aubrey in the grand final for Chitty's men. Just two years earlier, Bob Chitty had played in that most violent VFL grand finals in history, the bloodbath, when Carlton and South Melbourne brawled for the entire game with Bob Chitty front and centre in the action. Pearl Fletcher, a young Carlton supporter, recalled and remembers the game when interviewed back in 2015. The ball was bounced in the middle. Well, no sooner had they balled bounced, they started. It never stopped for the whole entire game. They were just one blew after another. But you have to remember that in those days, each team had people, you know, that were on the rough side. In fact, they'd make the ones nowadays look like pussycats. <laughs> and um, we had Bob Chitty, of course, and if you got in his way, well, too bad. And Arthur Sanger, and um, of course, they had Basher Williams and different ones like that. And it was the same everywhere. Well, it was just a very, very tough game. It was a big weekend of sport in Aubrey-Wodonga with world biggage champion Walter Lindrum in town for exhibition games at the Aubrey Commercial Club. Mr A.C. Brewster was the winner of a pool cue donated by the world champion, a title Lindrum held from 1933 to his retirement in 1950. Once again, it would be Aubrey and Benalla and they'd be playing for premiership glory at Wangaratta. Brian Hogan had overcome a hand injury and would take his place in the side to have the Tigers at full strength. But it was that man Chitty who made his presence felt, kicking the first three goals of the game as Benalla stunned the Tigers, kicking five of the first six goals to lead at quarter time by 22 points. Aubrey started to take control in the second term, but inaccuracy, two goals six for the quarter, kept Benalla two goals one for the quarter in front by 17 points at half-time. Tom Layeff had kicked all four goals for Aubrey in a brilliant captain's performance. The Tigers kept coming in the third quarter, but again, two goals six for the term had kept Benalla goalless, but still in front by a point that had the record crowd of 6,500 on their feet. Chitty kicked his fourth to start the final quarter before Harry Rickson replied for Aubrey to leave the Tigers just two points behind. Several minutes later, after Benalla had missed two golden opportunities and with Aubrey trailing by three points, Tom Layeff, the Aubrey coach, made a move that will go into Aubrey football folklore. Backman, Tom Davey, was moved to full forward. 
Full forward, Lloyd Stewart into the ruck. Jeff Hayho to full back, while Tommy Lave and Power moved into the centre to assist Stewart. The move could not have worked better, as Tom Davey, not known for his accuracy, kicked three drop kick goals in the final five minutes to see Aubrey take the lead and run away with a 15-point premiership victory, 11-18-84 to Benalla, 10-9-69. Jim Matthews was voted best on ground, while Harry Shane, Harry Purse, Reg Gard, Jack Briggs and Tom Laev were others to shine in a thrilling encounter as the Aubrey Tigers claimed its seventh premiership. The 1947 Aubrey Premiership side was, from the back line, Frank Hennessy, Jack Gensch, Tom Davey, halfbacks, Aussie Bounds, Jack Briggs, Roy Ferguson, centreline, Reg Gard, Harold Purse, Brian Hogan. Half forwards, Pat Cox, Jim Matthews, Harry Shane. Forward line, Laurie Power, Loy Stewart, Bill Barmer. The rucks, Jeff Hayho, Harry Rickson, Tom Layoff. 19th man was Pat Kane and 20th man was Frank Eames. Well, what a fascinating look back on sporting life in Australia post-World War II when the Aubrey Tigers Football Club stormed home to claim Premiership glory. Once again, a huge thank you to the Joss Group for making this episode of Tiger Tales possible. We look forward to you joining us again on Glory Days for another look back at some of sport's great moments. For now, stay safe and thanks for listening.